And still, it's a challenge for me to set boundaries and not feel guilty or feel like I have to back out of them, especially around my time when it comes to my husband. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know about you, but that really hit different. I know for me growing up, I was really only shown performance-based love. It was all about, you know, what have you done for me lately? What have your grades been? You know, how, what has your behavior been? And those were the only times that I ever really felt love. Well, fast forward, that turns someone into the kind of adult who is always out there just trying to please other people. If any of this resonates with you, where maybe at one time in your life, maybe it is right now, you are a people pleaser or like myself, you are self-described a recovering people pleaser, then this is going to be a great episode for you. I sit down with my friend Tanya of the Grace-Filled Leader Podcast, and we talk about uh, some ways that she helps to stop people-pleasing and really what effects has that had on her marriage. And we get really deep and personal here, and I really love it. sitting in a marriage that feels empty, struggling to connect with your husband, maybe you're telling yourself you're just sticking it out for the kids and what really keeps you in the marriage is God. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you reconnect in marriage and feel cherished again. Hey, I'm Beatrice, a Jesus-loving wife and mom. I've been married for 15 years, but for the past 10, I've actually had the affectionate and connected marriage I've always dreamed of. What happened the first five years? Well, I was busy telling my husband all the things he was doing wrong, like how he needed Jesus and he needed to make me happy. We tried marriage counseling, small groups, all the things we were told that would make our marriage better. Nothing worked, and we separated. How did I turn it around? Well, that's what you'll learn in this podcast. Proven skills to communicate better, create more intimacy, and be a grace-fueled wife. So if you're ready to finally communicate effectively with your husband so you can stop fighting and be on the same team again, this podcast is for you. Now grab that journal and let's jump right in. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you a little story that I heard from one of my clients. She said to me, I wish I would have found you sooner. And that really broke my heart because I can tell you about 50% of the clients that I have are women who are sitting in a place of separation with their husband. Maybe their husband has gotten no contact for a lot of them. He has walked out and left and he's just being non-responsive or he has told them that he's on the way out but is still living in the house. There's all kinds of variations about that, but I would say it is literally at at least 50% of my clientele. And I get it. For me, it was part of my story. And so that's what attracts uh, these listeners to me. But I wanted to share that with you, that I wish I would have found you sooner. For the other 50% of you who that maybe has not happened yet, and that is my heart and my my thought is my prayer, really, that I can reach 
women and help marriages before it gets to the point where the disconnection has gotten so bad that he's just up and walked away. And now here's the wife sitting here upset and now having to pick up the pieces. That being said, do I still work with women who are in this place of separation? Obviously, yes. Like I said, I've about 50% of my clients are in that place. Yet the clients who walk away with the best stories, the best transformations, the best testimonies, the ones who are saying, oh my God, you saved my marriage, are the ones who start working with me well before it ever gets to that place of separation. And there's so many reasons for that. I'm actually going to do a whole podcast episode on it. But I say that to offer you a little bit of insight and a little bit of hope. Because if you are one of those people who find yourself in either of those situations, but especially for those of you who the husband is still living at home, I would really, really encourage you to check out the gracefueledmarriagemethod.com, which, as you know, is my group coaching program. And during our weekly coaching sessions, we go through everything that it is that you're learning in the course or maybe things that are just specific to your situation. It is very small groups. I cap them off at four. Typically, I might have two or three people in there, meaning you get about 20 to 30 minutes of individual time with me, and that is available to you weekly, twice weekly. So when I say this is a huge, immense value that you are getting to be part of this group coaching program. I am not kidding y'all. And I can tell you that the price will not always stay the same. It is going to change at some point in 2024. But right now, if I were you, I would jump in and check out gracefueledmarriagemethod.com. That's gracefueledmarriagemethod.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Grace Field Wife podcast. Today, I'm so excited to introduce to you our guest, Tanya Engesether. Tanya Engesether is a wife, mom, leader, certified Christian coach, and podcaster. Tanya has worked in healthcare for over 26 years. She's been in leadership roles for the past 16 years. Tanya is a self-described recovering people pleaser who spent most of her life and career trying to find worthiness through achievement. She spent decades pouring herself into her work only to find herself feeling unfulfilled and burnt out. It wasn't until she truly claimed her identity in Christ and started to understand what it means to be a child of God that she found freedom from approval seeking God has shown her a new way of living and leading in partnership with him. Tanya is passionate about helping other women gain a heart knowledge of who they are in Christ, become fueled by grace and freedom from people pleasing so they can create more time in the things that matter most. Welcome so much, Tanya. I'm so excited to have you here on the show. Oh, thank you, Beatrice. I'm so very excited to be here. Yeah. For my audience, we met through a mastermind that I'm in. So I meet a lot of amazing podcasters. And when I found you and I was like, the grace-filled leader, we must collaborate. Hello. (laughs) And I just, I thought it was um, so happy to have met you and to be able to have you here on the show. Why don't you talk to my audience a little bit about, and I, I know I said in the bio, but what got you into this place of Uh, coaching leaders. And why don't you tell us a little bit about why you do what you do now? Sure, sure. Well, and I I think this is probably true of a lot of us that get into the service work we're doing, but 
in a in a way it started from a place of brokenness. So as you said, I've been in healthcare for 26 years, the past 16 in leadership roles and the last three years. So leading through and since COVID really just changed leadership for me. And I had to basically tell my people and along with them do work that was completely unfamiliar to us, do things they didn't want to do. And it really led me to a place of questioning Am I really cut out for this? Am I really meant to lead people? I don't know how long I can keep doing what I'm doing because I was starting to feel really empty. And to back up the train a little bit prior to that, you know, leadership's a journey for sure. And it's filled with all kinds of learning opportunities where you learn from making mistakes and everything else. But what I felt pretty confident in is that I knew how to lead in a way that serves others and shows them that I hear you, I see you, and I value you. You, I'm very relational in my leadership. And I felt pretty confident that I knew how to lead in a way that people want to follow from a place of trust. Well, COVID came and we literally had to pretty much make our people job duties that they, many of them didn't want to do, um, didn't resemble their typical work. A lot of times they do their day job by day, and then they'd be doing a night shift in sort of a a glorified nurse's aid role because that was needed in the pandemic to serve people. Well, just working in that way, all that we've seen since COVID with, you know, the mandates and what COVID looked like when caring for patients, sort of that burnout, you just saw a change in people. We're in a service industry. Healthcare is a service industry serving people. I've never felt like anything is beneath me if it means serving another human being. I wouldn't say that that's true of every person. They don't all think that way. And we saw a lot of different reactions during the the pandemic when having to do some of that work and just people getting tired, like emotionally tired, physically tired. What I discovered is for, you know, two plus decades prior to that, I had been looking for my value as a leader in the approval of my team members, largely. Like I was valuable as a leader if I knew that my team liked me or trusted me. Now, there are plenty of times that I had to make decisions that people didn't like or or whatever. You can't make everybody happy all the time and you shouldn't. But here I had for several decades been a leader that When I have you on my team, I want to show you that I value you as the human being that you are outside of these walls, as a mom, a wife, a sister, a daughter. If you need to get to your kid's soccer game, we're going to accommodate that. So I feel like we've always been that kind of a leadership team that supports our people on a personal level. And so when we saw the reactions that came with the things that people had to do during COVID, to be honest, it was anger. Frustration. I'm sure fear was where a lot of it was based, but it felt like all of a sudden, wait, I'm asking you to do a hard thing when for 20 some years we've led from a place of trying to honor people. Like it felt almost like a betrayal by some people, like that our leadership was being questioned. And what I realized instead of recognizing that as a pretty normal human response that really wasn't personal at all, 
in looking back, I'm sure what many people felt like was we weren't protecting them from something really scary and difficult. But I was feeling like, oh, gosh, now are people going to think I'm a bad leader? Are these last couple of years going to define my legacy as a leader because of this really hard stuff that we had to go through? Are people going to forget the last, you know, 20 some years? This crazy sort of egocentric stuff. And I was feeling empty and exhausted and lost and almost like, what is my purpose if not here? What is my value if I'm not valued by these people, which isn't true. But that led me to seek the Lord and really focus on what should be my source of value and identity, which is in him. And it really was a lot of personal work and growing in relationship to kind of improve that intimacy of relationship with the Lord to become filled with his grace and his love and understand that my value is not based in what man thinks of me or the approval of my team. Certainly he put me in this leadership role for a reason to influence people and witness of his love in the way that I lead. But I was making people and their approval of me an idol in my life instead of making him the source of my value and identity. And as he started to do work through me and change my heart, that changed how I was able to walk through the door every day and how I was able to approach my people and my role in a way that didn't depend on their approval in a way that loves them in spite of wherever they're at in their journey or their walk. So it allowed me to show up differently in my life and in my leadership. And as I saw that victory in my life, I also saw other leaders around me struggling in their leadership roles. So I saw these other women struggling in a lot of the ways that I was. And so I felt this pull on my heart to serve them in a different way than what I was able to do in my actual day job leadership role. And God started to just plant the seed that I had a story to share and something to serve. And it's crazy because I'm actually an introvert, but I actually got my certification in Christian life coaching. And it was through that journey of being coached and learning more about coaching and seeing God work in my life that I felt like I have to share this with other people. I want other women like me who are struggling to know their value to have freedom from that, have freedom from the approval seeking, the people pleasing And walk through life knowing at a heart level who they are in Christ so that they don't feel like they have to seek their worth and their value externally. Right. There's so much about what you were talking about that I want to touch on. And I barely let you like... No, it's okay. I didn't let you get a word in edgewise. I wanted you to be able to give your story in in its entirety because... You're here as my guest and I wanted to respect that time for you. But also there were so many things that you talked about that I wanted to point out. There was a couple of things you said, burnout, Yeah, talking about burnout as a leader, talking about things that you felt like you needed to, you basically were looking for your worth in your team and in the yeah. approval of your team. And I think this relates to my listener in in what way, right? Because I try to always bring it back, like, how can my listener, who some of them may be in positions of leadership and some of them maybe not. So how does my listener then 
relate to this story? Well, I'm pretty sure that a lot of the women, if not all or most, can relate to some sort of feeling of burnout mm, in one way yes. or another, certainly burnout um, during the time for which we were in COVID. The other thing, because I hear so many of my listeners say, oh, they wish their husband was a leader or more yeah. of a leader and and he's not so much stepping up and so she feels the burden of having to lead the household and, and one of the pieces that I thought about as you were speaking is that we are all leaders in our own right and so maybe perhaps you know the listener does have a husband who does um, lead his family well and, mm-hmm. and step up for but for the those who don't what I was hearing from you is as a leader you have to go out there and do what you need to do despite the hard, despite right. the burnout, despite the uh, your team or whoever not approving or being happy with you. And, and sometimes you're going to be the bad guy, right? Sometimes right. as moms, we're going to be the bad guy and yes. the kids are going to get upset with us and all that. And so it's not all going to be perfect, but just to understand that in any place we are, these are, are things that apply to all of us in one way or another. And I think that that was really important um, to, for them to understand, just so that they can see after hearing your story, they might not relate, right? They might not uh, see themselves in your story. So I want to paint the picture for them of how they can see themselves in your story. The other thing that I thought was really um, important was you have mentioned your team, they were giving you a hard time about the, the things that you needed to them to do that was above and beyond their normal day, you know, job yeah. description, if you will. Right. And I think the, a, a really important um, thing that you noted, and is congrats to you for recognizing it, is that your team all of a sudden felt unsafe. They right. felt like as the leader, you were not protecting them. So what happens in our marriage when our husband is leading and then all of a sudden we feel unsafe or we feel afraid to be vulnerable. And it's like we he is the leader kind of loses authority. Right. And then we lose trust in him. Right. And so that's what I that's what that brought up for me is for there to be a really good relationship between leadership and everybody else there has to be this sense of safety. And now yeah. as Christian women, I know there's like all, it can be debatable, right? <laughs> Whether there's egalitarian a standard of marriage or, you know, for those people who are like, nope, the Bible clearly says the man is the head of the household. I think regardless of which side of that debate that you stand on, the piece that remains the same is the fact that there still needs to be a level of trust and ability to be vulnerable with each other. Yes. Whether it's the husband leading and you're trying to defer to his leadership, or maybe the husband's not stepping up and leading and, and you feel like you need to fill in the gap in some way, or whether or not your family structure is more of an egalitarian. Yeah, I think that's the way to pronounce it. Sorry, guys, if I pronounced it wrong. <laughs> structure of leadership where you're both counting on each other I think both of those things were really important Mm -hmm. um if we would say uh because so you so this long story at your leader we go through COVID we go through all these hard things you felt all this uh, burnout you felt all this uh, stuff you had opposition from your team and then you started to realize that 
wait a minute, there's something here for me. Uh, God is trying to do a work in me. Yes. And I want to share this with other people. And I know you just like me talk about being fueled with grace. How yes. does the being fueled or filled with grace relate to what you teach? And like, how does that apply? And what does that mean in relation to being a people pleaser and stopping that? Right. Well, and just to comment a little bit on what you said too, just to clarify, when I speak about, and many of the people that listen to my show aren't formal leaders by title, but mm -hmm. if you influence people, you are a leader. Like you said, if you're a mom, you're a leader. If you have people in your sphere of influence that you exert some level of influence on, you are a leader. And the the meat of my story and the women that I work with, the patterns that we find are so often what got them to that high level of, you know, like if they are a formal leader, what got them to that level of achievement, air quotes, mm -hmm. many times is a deep rooted insecurity. Like they've, they've felt like that somewhere in their life, their value or their ability to receive love was based on their performance or what they achieved for someone else or if they so they've always been working 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 achieving they had to get the good grades you know probably a lot of them are perfectionists um they probably were well liked by teachers they did well in school they they did well professionally and they get to a place in life where they've done so much achieving and doing and saying yes to everything that they are burned out and they realize like i've got nothing left to give and this tank that I've drawn from, it's never actually filled me up. So at some point, the human race will let you down. And if that's the well that you're drawing your value from, you will never be fully filled. Much of how I internalize it may have been minimally based on truth in terms of what my people actually thought, but that's how I felt. And that emptiness and that inability to draw from this artificial source of love slash value slash approval, I needed to fill it with something else. Well, what I needed to fill it with and what I've always should have filled it with was the knowledge of God's love for me that is not at all conditional or based on my works here. Without Jesus, none of us are worthy, but by his grace, we are offered the gift of salvation and redemption through Christ's death on the cross, that we are made new, we are made adopted daughters of the King. And I grew up going to church, but I think that for most of my life, I had a head knowledge of, yes, I believe in God and I pray and I, I know Jesus loves me and I know Jesus died on the cross for his sins. And I was saved when I was eight or nine years old, but I didn't walk through life with a heart knowledge of what that meant. And instead I walked through life trying to achieve and do and seek approval to try to fill that hole that is really the God-sized hole that only God can fill. So that impacted my leadership. And because I was that way, I gave too much of myself to my job for too many years. So then my, my family lost time with me. I wasn't able to be present with them. I didn't have much energy for my husband. And I realized I couldn't be what anyone needed me to be unless I lived life differently and figured out how to be fulfilled. And so God just was tugging on, you know, it's that gut mm -hmm. kind of 
tug that seek me like I I was desperate. So it really is that surrender, right? We've talked about you can't pour from an, an empty cup and my cup felt like it was empty and dried up and about to sort of shrivel up into dust. So I was forced to surrender. Sometimes I'm stubborn in my life. So there's a lot of circumstances where I get really stubborn and I think I can do, do, do and fix, fix, fix and do all the things. And then I realize I can't. And okay, okay, God, I surrender this now. Please help me. Well, that's where I was. God, I don't feel like I can survive feeling like how I feel having panic attacks, not knowing my value in this world. So he started to just fill me with that desire to know him more and to know his heart more. And his word came alive. They speak about the Bible being the living word. And it's kind of like, I've heard that all my life, but I realized what that meant because it's all of a sudden, like it almost becomes 3D that it starts Mm -hmm. to speak to you in a way that says, this is what this means for your life, Tanya. This is who you are. You are my child. You are loved. And none of this other worldly stuff matters. So then as I was filled by that, nothing in my circumstances changed, but I felt a peace that it was like this huge relief. Like, oh, I can just let go of this burden that I've carried of this, like, this what do people think of me and I felt more peace I felt more joy despite whatever's going around me like everybody around me could be crabby and whatever and it was like oh I I have a choice I don't need to live like that anymore like God has so much more to offer and once you get filled with that peace and that love and that knowledge of great it starts to overflow and it starts to change how you walk into a room and then you start to see how it impacts the people in your life either it allows you to break free from situations that weren't healthy or we all have people in our lives that tend to be the negative neds and they mm-hmm. thrive on drama and oh and they just you know and I, it's easy to buy into that. And then it's like, if you don't, because you just don't need to, it doesn't work for them anymore. If they try to do that in your presence and you kind of just can't take part because you have something better. I've just noticed that it's helped other people just based on how I've been able to walk through the room, how I lead, how I communicate. Um, And that's true in my leadership and in my marriage. Now, to, to clarify, The enemy doesn't like when we seek to serve the Lord and we seek to draw nearer to the Lord. So I've also felt ways in which he tries to work against that. You know, one of the most challenging places for me at times to set boundaries and kind of show, be consistently grace giving and loving is in my marriage because my husband has known a person that who's, who's lived her life as a people pleaser, approval seeker, conflict resolver. And a lot of our marriage has functioned that way, you know, where I haven't always set, I haven't set healthy boundaries or, you know, I'll hold it all in and and then react over. I haven't been Mm -hmm. always real effective in my communication as a wife. And sometimes that boundary setting that I've had to now do to be able to fill my own cup, to be a better mom, wife, leader, sometimes that boundary setting comes with some resistance. And so what I've learned is that I have to be filled with that grace first and fill my cup because that's the only way I can be grace giving 
when my husband or whomever may not be initially real positive in their reception of me or my boundaries or my communication. And it's allowed me to more easily be loving and patient and calm regardless of how the other person is choosing to respond. I love that. There was so much that you said there that I could touch on. But one of the things that I think is important for the listener to understand is oftentimes when we have issues with boundaries or issues with being a people pleaser, you know, as you were saying, it stems from this place of not understanding our true worth and value. Mm -hmm. And so what a beautiful thing where we can understand our true worth and value. But then the other thing that you touched on that I thought was really important is that when we finally understand our true worth and value, mm -hmm. and then we set those boundaries, they those boundaries will be met with resistance from everybody else, right? It's yes. like, we are yeah. used to spoiling the children and you can have candy at any time of day, all of a sudden where we start to set the boundaries and, and we say, no, they're going to, they're going to push back. And the thing about boundaries is if we do them well, they're supposed to push back. Right. True. Why, right. It's that's a normal part of life. Then we know we've done it well, because then our boundary is clear. If they're pushing back, if they didn't push back, then the boundary wouldn't be very clear. Or if they, they push back and we just let them right through, then it's really not a boundary. Right. right? It's just more of like, it's all talk. And so right. I, I thought that was really a, an important point that you made that once we can do that and set a boundary, even if they resist, but setting a boundary for yourself, because you know your worth and, and you know these very important things about yourself that you've learned in your relationship with God, all of a sudden it helps you. And then like you said, you can show up and be a better wife. And yeah. mom. is there any Thing else that you would want to touch on in terms of how does this people pleasing or boundary setting or lack of boundary setting affect you in your marriage mm -hmm. if you care to share because I'm sure my listener is listening and, and for those of her out there who are high achievers and who are people pleasers and who have issues with boundaries because many of them do uh, where does that create an issue in your marriage yeah so I'm happy to be relatively transparent. So the ironic thing is, I, I'm a leader in my day job. My husband is a leader on steroids. He owns his own business and he's very egocentric. And even if he listened to this, he wouldn't argue like we have a running joke that, well, it's Ron's world. We all just happen to live in it. And even though I'm a leader in my work, when I look at how I've functioned in my marriage largely, I don't necessarily take that I take a less dominant role in my marriage and mm -hmm. I've been more of the peacekeeper do mm -hmm. all the things and and he's gotten used to that so for the most part I've always done as much as I can to help him with his business plus do my job plus various other projects and I haven't often spoken up for myself in healthy ways um, and in a lot of ways that relationship is where there have been times when I felt the least significant and unseen. And I think a lot of times that's because of the roles that we take, you know, as a wife and mom, we become something to someone else so much. We wear so many hats that aren't our own in terms of they're based in being something for someone else. And that's true of, of being a wife. So that people pleasing showed up in that. And still, it's a challenge for me to set boundaries and not feel guilty or feel like I have to back out of them 
especially around my time when it comes to my husband, because I can be met with a fair amount of resistance. And I'm someone that believes in, okay, I want to be loving and respectful of my husband. And I do want him to feel supported and all of that. But this filling up of myself through time with God and this service work that I'm now doing as a result of that is something I'm not willing to sacrifice or say no to. Like, I feel like this is a God thing. So I cannot say no to God. So sometimes that means setting a boundary with him that isn't appreciated. But what I've realized is that people pleasing and approval seeking is so deeply ingrained in me and in my pattern of thinking and behaving because it comes from childhood. I have to surrender my life, my marriage, myself, my thoughts, my words, my actions every single day. Like I have to start with my God time because it's not like, oh, he showed me how loved I am as his daughter. And so now I'm all cured and fixed forever. And I don't have to do any kind of intentional work around that. That stuff is so ingrained in my neural patterns. Mm-hmm. I have to surrender that every day. And truly, there's a piece in that too, that it, I've given up the fight more in that when there's resistance or there's struggle in my marriage, I more have turned to okay, God, I need to surrender this to you. Like I can't fix this or I'm not sure how to respond in a loving way. So speak through me, Mm -hmm. you know, give me opportunity and show me the words you would have me speak. So that's a really long-winded way of saying basically surrendering every day and multiple times a day, my life and my marriage to God, because I easily will slip back into sacrificing what's important to me and what I feel like is important to God out of a tendency to people please and avoid conflict. Yeah, that was uh, such a beautiful answer. So I thank you for sharing and, and being so vulnerable in that because what I see as you speak is I see a woman in the midst of healing and transition. Mm-hmm. And so I yes. see a woman who is speaking from a place of victory in terms of what we talked about at the beginning of the episode of like people pleasing and work and others. And it becomes easy to do outside. And and the reason why I so appreciate you sharing is because as I'm listening, I'm like, oh, you are speaking to somebody very deeply today. Because I think that's what's happening for them. It might Mm -hmm. be easy to, to, to learn their worth and stop the people pleasing outdoors. Right. Outside the home. But when you come inside and you have to sleep next to that man. Yes. And then there's been patterns in your marriage that you're working to break and you're being met with this resistance. And like you were saying, there's nothing wrong with, you know, if he's a leader and then you taking maybe a a more submissive role at home, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, You know, there's, there's things wrong when we allow that to turn into abuse, but that's not what you described, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. But what you're saying is now you're trying to let him know my, my God and my time with God, that that is, is precious to me for reasons that you gave. I, I love the, the thing that you said is, but you need to come back to it as a daily surrendering. You need to come back to it and remind yourself every day because your brain has been trained a certain way since childhood. I'm like, hello, I'm raising my hand. Like I'm right there with you (laughs) because your brain has been trained a certain way. You have to remind yourself daily. It's not so easy as it is for other people. 
than for people like us who were raised in a way to have this wrong idea that the only love was performance, right? Like right. everything, love was performance-based. And, uh, you know, it seems like you described a little bit of that, but I know certainly for myself, I never knew anything but performance-based love, which is different when you get into a marriage, right? It's not just yes. about performance-based love. Yes, you should love each other and serve each other, but there's a, a deeper thing that you want to get to. So that was so beautiful and you sharing that. I see for you, just you coming through this journey, and I can see even that there is so much work that you still have to go through. So I just yeah. applaud you for your uh, vulnerability and um, your transparency in talking about that and saying like, you know, what you help women with is this, this place for outside the home, but this place inside the home, that's something that is still a journey and yeah. something that is okay, you know, and then understanding, I think the other important thing for us to keep in mind is that it is okay to normalize these things. Yes. What happens is it's almost like shame. I don't know if you uh, listen to or familiar with Brene Brown, but it's oh, like yes. <laughs> you take away the power of shame, mm -hmm. yes. right? Which is the enemy. That's one of his greatest tools. And you take that away when you bring it to light, when right. you talk about the things that are shameful. And that's why I think it's so important for us to normalize these things that like, you're not the only one. There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of women out there who are going through similar journeys. And by us saying, here we are, we have walked through this and we're still walking through it and it's okay. I'm sure you have definitely spoken to hearts today. So I appreciate your story. I appreciate you really sharing that and all the wisdom that you've given the listener today. Before we wrap, I'm going to ask you to let us know where they can find you. But before we wrap, is there anything that we didn't talk about or that I didn't ask you or touch on that you want to say before we go? Um, not much, except I always come back to everything is about relationships. So your show is obviously about marriage but even when i think about my leadership in our homes and god and understanding who we are is all about relationship and building intimacy and relationship so that's really true in all of our life roles and the key to being grace fueled or grace filled is really that relational exchange with the lord not some scripted liturgical sort of thing you know I if anything else is just really the more that that people understand just come to God just as you are in your messiness because he's waiting for you he already loves you he already knows what's on your heart so just speak it like it is versus thinking you have to be perfect before you even come to him so that's it everything in my in life is about relationship really Love that. Thank you so yes. much. Tanya, can you please tell the audience where they can find you and how, how can they connect with you? Absolutely. So the first place is really you could they can listen to me on my podcast, which is the Grace Filled Leader. Mm -hmm. um, that's on Apple and all the different apps you can listen to. And then all of my coaching services, all of that, you can find everything else on gracefilledleader.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tanya. I really appreciate your time and spending the time giving my audience this beautiful story and wisdom. I love you guys. And until next week.
Hey love, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you found any value in it, any teaching, any transformation, I encourage you to share it with a friend. Click the link, go ahead and share it with a friend, text it to somebody, share it on Instagram, tag me at the Grace Fuels Wife, any of those things, or maybe even write a review. All those things are really the best way that you can thank me and it helps the show to get found by other amazing women just like you. I love you and I'll see you on Tuesday for another episode of The Grace Fueled Wife.